Hi, this is Ed Black. I'd like to welcome our listeners to the latest edition of the RG Tech Studio podcast. I am very pleased uh, to be here today with my friend, my partner, superstar patent litigator, and actual rock star. More about that at the end. Andrew Thomas is. Andrew, thank you uh, so much for joining us. Thanks, Ed. Okay. I do have some questions about your legal practice, but before we dig in, can you give us just 10 seconds about sort of who you are and where you're based and what life is like for you? Sure. I'm based in Silicon Valley. I've been practicing uh, intellectual property litigation out here for 27 years. I originally had a uh, degree in physics and then decided to go to law school. And a good way to put that to use is practicing high-tech law. And my wife and I, uh, we have three kids, and we've been uh, in the Bay Area uh, for 20-plus years now. Have you spent the whole time down on the peninsula? Do you live in the valley? Well, um, for the first eight years, I was up in San Francisco. And then when we had our second kid, we moved to the suburbs, and we live in Menlo Park, which is kind of the heart of Silicon Valley. It's currently where Facebook and Meta are based. And uh, I've always worked in Silicon Valley, but originally I had the the reverse commute, uh, which turned into, in the dot-com boom, the actual uh, more difficult commute. But then we decided to move down here about 20-plus years ago. Wow. Wow. So for 27 years, the drive down the 101 has been horrifying. I thought it might just have been the the past 10 years, but sounds like it's been bad for a long time. Uh, so, all right. Well, um, let's see. I know you are a patent litigator. Could you tell us a little bit about, about uh, you know, your practice and who are the clients? Well, I have a lot of clients uh, in the high-tech space, many of which are here in Silicon Valley and uh, all over the, the globe, actually. But some of the clients I've been doing work for recently are uh, Apple, uh, Marvell Semiconductor, and then uh, video streaming companies like Roku and Fubo TV. And across those clients, is it all is it all disputes? Is it all litigation all the time? So we do some uh, uh, counseling as well as litigation. Uh, usually, we're trying to resolve a dispute before it comes to litigation, and therefore we do a lot of negotiations over IP rights. Uh, and then uh, sometimes our clients are sued without any negotiation, and we're uh, brought into defend them. And there are some clients who ask us to enforce their own patents or trade secrets. And so we then uh, represent our clients as the plaintiff in a dispute. I know, of course, for 27 years, I mean, deep in the field, you've had a lot of experience across a lot of different matters. But if, if you had to pick, pick sort of top concerns that are affecting your clients today, what would those concerns be? So uh, one major concern for high-tech companies is the phenomenon of what are called non-practicing entities. Some people more colloquially call them patent trolls. These are entities that don't make any of their own products, but they do hold patent assets. Sometimes they've acquired them from bankruptcy or auction. And what they want to do is uh, get a return on their investment and extract uh, licensing or settlement fees from the high-tech companies. And so um, the high-tech companies uh, turn to us to defend them in these in these assertions of patents. Yeah, and now, we now often... patent trolls. I, I know they've they've been around for years. I mean, there's even been various times where there's been legislation, you know, laws passed to make it harder for patent trolls. 
But inside Ropes and Gray, do you handle that case just like any other? Do Are there any special twists and turns that you've seen in your practice or special skills that we bring to bear to deal with these trolls? Yeah, we've, we've been dealing with them for, for long enough that we've developed a, a playbook internally. And our playbook has a lot of strategies. Um, we obviously custom tailor them to particular clients, but one of which we use a lot is um, – was a proceeding at the patent office in front of what's called the Patent Trial and Appeal Board, or the PTAB, where you can petition the patent office to cancel a patent owner's claims based on um, the art or the technology that existed before the patent. And uh, we as a firm were the first movers at the PTAB. We filed the first four petitions, and we often do that uh, as a primary strategy in dealing with patent trolls and non-practicing entities uh, we um, draft a patent uh, cancellation petition called an IPR, and often we, we show that to the other side to say, hey, if you pursue our client, we're going to get your patent canceled, and that takes away the, the patent assertion entity's uh, leverage because they're now going to be on the defense instead of the offense, and their patent, which they may want to assert against other companies, is going to be put at risk. I mean, you say we were the first movers. Of course, everybody's in there now. Uh, that this is something that I think most people who handle patent disputes would say is something that's in their toolkit in a general way. Have you had good success with this? Uh, do we have a track record here, or do you have any special, uh, you know, twists and turns that help us be effective as we uh, follow this strategy? We are one of the high-volume practitioners at the patent office in this field. Every year, one of the top one or two law firms practicing before the PTAB. And our track record is great. Once uh, a PTAB uh, uh, proceeding is instituted, our group, our firm, has a uh, 96% rate of canceling patent claims. So 96% of the claims that we're challenging get canceled. Whoa. And that gives a lot of leverage when you're dealing with someone on the other side. It seems to me that that must be the kind of thing where, you know, you don't need to file half the time. That if there's a 96% win rate, once you show up, people must calm down. But is that the way it's, is that the way you've experienced it? Yeah, it is one of the reasons why clients come to us is because of uh, our success in that field and then our reputation when we're dealing with uh, assertion entities. They know that uh, if Ropes and Gray is hired, then uh, they will have a bigger fight than if they see another law firm on the other side. Moving beyond crushing troll patents, <laughs> are there are there other things that you'd say you know are are currently really key or top of mind for tech companies that are looking at enforcing or defending from an IP perspective? Yeah, well, um, there's a number of aspects that involve international affairs. We are very active in what is called the International Trade Commission. That's an agency in Washington, D.C. that um, has the authority to issue orders to the Customs Department to ban importation of certain products that the ITC finds have been infringing on any uh, particular IP right, mostly patents. And so um, both patent trolls and competitors are using the ITC as um, – as a tool because of the, the power of these um, importation bans because so many high-tech products have components or the entire product built abroad and have to be imported. So 
one of those orders um, is a very powerful tool, and we are very um, practiced and have a number of uh, trial attorneys who uh, practice in the ITC. In fact, I just had a a trial, uh, a bench trial, uh, virtually last year during the heart of the pandemic uh, at the ITC. And how'd it go? Uh, it went very well. It was for our client Roku, and they were actually facing a competitor who was trying to ban importation of all Roku devices and TVs. And no. uh, they initially wow. asserted, yeah, they initially asserted six patents. Uh, we got three of those uh, knocked out very early. Uh, the other three went to trial, and um, the the commission, first the, the administrative law judge and then the full commission, uh, found that uh, one of the design, designs that we had uh, for our Roku's products uh, did not infringe, and that that was also then confirmed at the customs office. So um, it was a very big case for Roku because their entire product line could have been shut down. But we were very successful, and now you could still go to your stores or online and buy your Roku devices. Well, as a Roku customer, I'm pleased. <laughs> I'm a heavy Roku user. <laughs> but you mentioned you did this during the pandemic, where you were you were like sitting at home in your jeans trying cases. This the ITC went went virtual during the pandemic, and we just kept trying cases. Uh, that is right. Yeah. So. Um, uh, it wasn't jeans; it was shorts with a suit top, shirt, and tie. But uh, we were on on video. That's great. Uh, it was my first my first virtual trial, and it is a little uh, different to have to, for example, cross examine an expert witness over a video right. uh, when you're not there, wow. right in the same room as the person. But um, it, right. it went well, and uh, the judge took it under submission and issued a several hundred page order that uh, was wow. in favor. How long did that take? Is, is the ITC fast or slow? So the ITC is probably the fastest docket in the IP arena. And right. um, once a case is initially filed, you usually have a trial within eight to ten months. And then the judge takes a couple months to make their written decision. There's then an internal agency appeal process, which could last another three or four months. Uh, and then they issue their final decision which either can ban importation or not during a virtual trial especially at that time people must have been telling the i am not a cat joke over and over and over again <laughs> everyone had their zoom screens appropriately uh, appropriately working no one turned up as a simulated a simulated animal <laughs> that's right it was quite formal <laughs> quite formal all right well particularly with the itc i mean another thing that i read about in the news and i I just wonder if it's affecting your practice is, uh, okay, so as you point out, particularly in high tech, it's a global market. Things are crossing borders right and left. Uh, that's why the ITC is such a key forum. Uh, but the other thing you see in the paper every day are rising tensions, particularly between the U.S. and China, and increased focus on national security concerns where um, – something is perceived accurately or not to be a critical technology that we somehow need to control and keep out of the hands of certain other people. I mean, I know it's not strictly speaking patent law, uh, 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 but have you been involved in that angle on the tech business? And, and how does it, how does it affect your day-to-day -day activity? Yeah, no, very interesting questions. There's actually two sides of that issue. And in fact, 
we have a number of clients in the semiconductor space, both the, the chip makers, but also the equipment manufacturers, uh, equipment that's used to make semiconductors. Um, okay. So you've probably heard about the, the Chips and Science Act, which um, gives a lot of investment in the U.S. to semiconductor manufacturers. So a number of our semiconductor chip companies are happy because they get um, funding and uh, mm-hmm. other support through the CHIPS Act. But some of the makers of the equipment that's used to manufacture semiconductors are very worried about some of these export controls that were also uh, just invoked because they uh, get a lot of revenue from selling, for example, to China or otherwhere overseas. And um, now they also have to deal with um, uh, possible sanctions and, and export controls. So frequent, frequently we... Um, refer those kind of questions to our, our CFIUS practice, Ama Adams in our DC office, who deals with export controls and sanctions. It shows that we, as a firm, can service the clients in all different fields, not just intellectual property, but we, we do have referrals. Also, we host one of the only, what's called the Semiconductor Roundtable for Silicon Valley. So that's a, a Ropes and Gray hosted event. And one of the oh. hot topics there is this issue, CHIPS Act and, and the export controls. Uh, and so the roundtable is a lot of people from in-house executives and legal teams from uh, chip companies. And it's going to be a very, very interesting discussion, I'm sure. Sounds to me like this is an open-ended discussion. You, you know, you don't just turn up and say, oh, well, I'm here to answer the patent questions. And But is, is that how it works? It's a sort of industry forum? Yeah. Um, Ropes and Gray members are at the, the dinner and the roundtable, but yes. we're just the facilitators. Most of the participants are the people who are kind of living and breathing in the trenches in the semiconductor space, in-house counsel, yes. in-house executives. And so it's a discussion amongst themselves facilitated by Ropes and Gray. So uh, a lot of uh, uh, different points of views are going to be expressed, and so it should be very interesting. Interesting. And I take it it's a confidential environment. People don't don't you don't see quotes in the press the day after the roundtable. I take it. Yeah, correct. There's it's a Chatham House rules, so nothing is mentioned after. Um, mm-hmm. the, it it is a, a closed event. There, there's actually no uh, recording, no PowerPoint. Uh, it is really just a, a dinner discussion, but with some very interesting topics. Well, uh, I'd love to talk more about the law stuff, but. As part of the Ropes Tech Studio podcast series, we're devoted to making sure people come away understanding who you are as a person. So this is this is the personality test part of uh, of the interview, Andrew. I'm going to ask you, uh, you know, a couple of questions, quick questions, quick answers. Maybe we'll talk about them. We'll see. Uh, but they're not about the law. Just going to warn you, not about the law. Not about the law. First, in your family, do you have like a do you have any pets? We do. We have a dog. Her name is Oakley, and uh, she's probably the most spoiled dog in the world. She is half Australian poodle and half Bernese Mountain Dog poodle. So she's got a little bit of Australian Shepherd, a little bit of Bernese, and a little bit of poodle. Wow. Sounds like she's also one of the smartest dogs in the universe, all that Shepherd blood. Uh, uh, and, uh, And all right, next question. When you're not practicing law, what's your favorite activity? So favorite activity is probably skiing. I uh, I actually raced in college and then between college and law school, lived in Vail, Colorado for a year. 
and I'm proud to say that ski bum? my, my ski, two you, older, you just went there and like worked worked as a lift guy and uh, skied for free. I was a bartender like and a waiter. Oh, a bartender okay. and a waiter, and then went to law school. Looking back yeah. fondly on my year of of fun, and yeah. then uh, I, I'm happy to say that my especially my two older kids uh, were ski family, and they are. Uh, probably surpassing me now with double black diamonds and backcountry skiing and and that that sort of thing. So uh, wow, that's our favorite wow. family activity. Wow. All right, last one. And I, I'm only this is a. I already know the answer to this. It's just too interesting for me to stay away from it. Do you play a musical instrument? So yes. Um, so I played bass guitar all through high school, college, and law school. And right. In fact, I started at age age nine because I my father took me to see Beatlemania on Broadway, and I idolized Paul McCartney, so I I got a bass guitar very early wow. in life. Do, do you play then, the bass uh, left-handed, just just like him? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> okay, no, I am right-handed, but uh, okay, but I had to put it aside for you know family and career um, for a while. Oh. I didn't touch it, and then then when the pandemic hit, um had some free time because we didn't have, you know, soccer and baseball and other kids' activities. So I picked up mm. the, uh, the the bass guitar and bought myself a guitar, taught myself guitar through uh, online videos, and also taught myself songwriting and recording. So I started recording some rock tunes and uh, um, learned how to mix them on my, my home computer. All this is done at, at home. And I play all the instruments and the drums are actually a software-created drum set, but uh, other than that, I play all the instruments. So and then I had them commercially the mixed. Yeah. The heart of the pandemic, I had them commercially yeah. mixed uh, again, all yeah. remotely, and uh, they're, they're, I now have a, a set of nine songs up on Spotify and Apple Music and other other streaming platforms, and uh, each one of them has a music video. You can find on youtube just under my name Andrew whoa, Thomas. whoa so and in fact i have so, a website uh, it's andrewthomas.com where all the all right let's let's not miss the website plug so but <laughs> but just to be clear based on our earlier conversation so you're getting up in the morning you're putting on your formal itc trial court shorts with with the 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 business shirt and tie then for a few hours you're trying the case at the ITC, oh, and winning. Then uh, time for a lunch break, you have a little food, and now in the afternoon and the evening, you're recording rock songs and posting up on Spotify. Is that, that sort of a day in the life? <laughs> a little bit. Although during trial, yeah. I think it's a little more focused than that. Most of the music was recorded either before or after trial. So trial was still all-consuming, still all-consuming. Yeah. Right? And I forgot the part about where you take a little time to pet your dog. So that's in there. Yes. Well, Andrew, I want to say thank you. Thank you for joining. Thank you for talking about your uh, practice. Uh, a reminder to the listeners, uh, the RG Tech Studio podcast series is available on the Ropes and Gray website on the RG Tech Studio page within that website. All the podcasts are also available alongside Andrew's musical recordings everywhere you can find your podcasts, including the major platforms. Thanks so much. 